The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. With available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. What's good, everybody? Am I excited today? Oh, I am excited today. Welcome in to the Early Edge Week 2 NFL Preview presented by Caesar Sportsbook and Casino, and we are pumped to have them on board for the entire 60 minutes of this show. Oh, I tell you what, week one was craziness in the NFL, and there were a lot of teasers and parlays and straight plays that looked really good for three and a half quarters, and then a lot of you out there, including us, went, what, Eagles, what, what? But it is what it is, and the beautiful part about the NFL, we only have a couple of days to lick our wounds and get right back into it. So who do we have this week? Who do we have? Who do we have? Who do we have? Oh, before. <laughs> Look at these three OGs. Look at these three OGs. First and foremost, live from Nashville, Tennessee. Penthouse level. My maestro. M squared. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Coach. I wish the maestro was here out on the pickleball court with me this afternoon. It is a beautiful day in Nashville. I'm up here grinding NFL. I can see people playing. It looks nice, but I'd rather be doing this. Got some plays I love. Let's go. Every single minute. That's right. He is the maestro, though. He is Larry Hartstein. Maestro, good afternoon. I wish I could be there, Mike. I'm actually on the injury list from pickleball and tennis and hoops right now, hoping to get back out and then get back to Nashville and compete. Oh, competition is what we're all about. So is the stoic one. Do not let the exterior fool you. This man is a savage. R.J. White. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Still trying to get over that Monday night game where apparently Nathaniel Hackett doesn't know how to coach football. He's playing for the spot so he can kick a 64-yard field goal to, I don't know what he thinks is going to happen in, in Seattle there at sea level, but but uh, good on you. Hope you like that loss. Hope you, hope you enjoy the other ones that are coming too if this is how you're going to coach football. That was embarrassing. How about Shannon Sharp on the Manning cast going, you wasted 30 seconds to call a timeout? That was the worst clock management I have ever seen with a Hall of Fame quarterback under center. All right, let's start the recap screen. And quickly, I want to ask my guys, what was, I, I guess, the biggest shock, the biggest disappointment? Everything from last week, there is what our cappers did across the early edge universe. Mikey, what was yours? Ah, so the number of games decided by field goals was probably the biggest uh, shock there, or I guess missed field goals. There were so many missed field goals. Uh, look, mm -hmm. teaser legs were absolutely brutal here. I broke the rules on a couple of them and got bitten for it. Uh, I think the 49ers blowing the game against the Bears was pretty shocking. And yeah, I think that was probably the most shocking one for me. 
10 nothing, and you don't score the rest of the game and lose 19-10 to to the Bears? Maestro, what was yours? I think it had to be, you know, a couple of teams like the Eagles and Jags uh, prevented me from a perfect first week on the site with those blowing the late covers. But then again, you get the breaks. I was on the Seahawks last night, and the, and the Broncos fumbled twice at the goal line. So I think it will all even out in the wash. I mean, Geno Smith, he had 164 yards at halftime, I believe, and he couldn't get to 200. Uh, you know, <laughs> That was crazy. Alex, Alex cashed that, and I was like, I mean, I already counted that as a win, and, and that was hasty. RJ, I know last night was rough for a lot of us. Uh, what was your biggest shock or takeaway or whatever? Yeah, the Eagles thing, uh, you know, was was brutal. The Jags not being able to put that away was brutal. Um, but I did on the Pick Six podcast have them in a teaser, so it saved me a little bit there. But those those are the two big ones that got away from me on the site. The Cardinals pick just ended up being terrible. I didn't know that their defensive coordinator Vance Joseph was apparently his first year, his first first day in the NFL. He didn't do any film study of Patrick Mahomes and said, "I'm just going to go blitz this guy. I heard he's good. Let me <laughs> let me get the blitz in there and try to get after him and see what happens." Uh, because it's the one thing you don't do with him. You're you're going to lose you know, 10 times out of 10 when you do that. So I don't know what the game plan was for him. Crazy, crazy. I think my biggest was the fact that we hate preseason. Teams hate preseason. But we realize, and I don't, I don't know, but maybe it's just a coincidence, but the fact that quarterbacks who didn't play at all in the preseason, three and eight in week one. I mean, last night, Russell Wilson, how do you not, how do you take two, maybe three delay of game penalties, one inside the 10? How does that happen? Well, you don't play in the preseason. You don't play in game competition. That's what happens. But it is what it is. All right. So for those of you brand new to this show, we go through every single game. We break down it all. Why do we do it on Tuesday? Because this is when we feel like we have the best edge. And then the numbers will move throughout the week. And then by the time we get to Sunday, there's very little value. So a lot of our picks today, but also we'll break down even games that we don't have picks in. And we try to keep it going. We know your time at home is incredibly precious. All right, let's start with the Thursday night game, and it may be the game of the week. It just might be. Chargers traveling Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, as uh, uh, Mr. RJ just said, 360 yards, five touchdowns, nine different receivers he threw to. Right now, the number has gone up to four. The total is 54 and a half. Mikey, this is one of your best bets. Start us off. Yeah, one of the best bets, and look, I hope you watched the early edge this morning because it's what it's called for a reason. Uh, this thing has moved to four, four and a half in some spots. I think it ultimately closes five unless we see news that Juju Smith-Schuster is somehow not going to play for Kansas City. Uh, but we played him at three and a half this morning, minus 110, like the number a lot. Four is the stopping point for me. That is the last point in which I would play it. I would not play it at four and a half or higher. Uh, but I like the spot for him. It's a short week for San Diego or for L.A., excuse me, this short week for the Chargers. Uh, Going to be without Keenan Allen most likely. Uh, hasn't been officially ruled out, but all but ruled out at this point. Uh, definitely changes things on that side. So give me the Chiefs here at home. Still one of the better home field advantages, especially on a short week. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes and company, really Patrick Mahomes, has a chip on his shoulder right now. And I'm going to ride it early here in the month of September. Let's grab the Chiefs here to win this game by three and a half or more. I don't think there's any doubt that he heard all the chirping in the offseason, Maestro. He heard it all, especially from Tyreek Hill, the guy he made famous, the guy that he made a $30 million contract for, then turns around and blasts him. But Patrick Mahomes is not the only good quarterback in this division. Mr. Herbert is pretty good. They're coming off a 24-19 win against the Raiders. Any shot in your mind going to Arrowhead, traveling on short days rest, to get it done. 
Yeah, of course they got a shot. I mean, this is this team is loaded. Uh, but I, Joe Lombardi, the the play calling uh, just got so conservative. They don't take enough shots downfield. And without Keenan Allen, that offense really stalled in the second half. I saw Clev T.A., the analytics guru, said after Keenan Allen went out, they only averaged 5.4 yards per attempt. So I would lean Chiefs like Mikey did at a good number. Uh, the one thing uh, to, to uh, caution against is teams coming off blowout wins in week one generally do not cover in week two. We'll see about the Bills. We'll see about the Chiefs are the two main examples. And that's exactly right. We keep track of all that stuff because you never know. As it, There's ebbs and flows to the NFL season, and it sometimes can feel like it's two or three seasons all in one. All right, one other play we have from the morning show. Zach Attack is on Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Over 44.5 receiving yards. He had four catches, 44 yards in the opening win over the Arizona Cardinals. All right, moving on to Sunday now. Bucks and the Saints. Buccaneers laying three against the New Orleans team that came back. Uh, one of the biggest fourth-quarter comebacks in their franchise history. The total sitting at 44. RJ, there's a reason people need to turn on the notifications and understand when the content is coming in. You gave a play on this on Sunday to get ahead of the number. Talk to me. Yeah, we took New Orleans plus three at minus 120, figuring that if their defense showed up and looked good, that number would come down. Well, they did not look good. And so it reset on Monday, and it's still plus three. So people are still able to get that number. Um, but it looks like it is coming down. I still see it at minus 120. I see some places have two and a half. Um, it's just a terrible matchup for the Bucks. The Bucks have committed 36 turnovers over the last two years. That's just over one per game. The Saints have 11 of them in four games. Brady just hates playing them. And now, and that was Brady's, you know, offense with about as top-notch as it could be. Now he has interior offensive line issues, going to be down a receiver after the Godwin injury. And I'm not sure the Tampa Bay defense will have the same success um, that they did last week because New Orleans receivers looked really good against Atlanta. Jarvis Landry looks like a new man. So this seems to be like a, a bad matchup for Tampa just in general. But this particular Buccaneers team, I don't think is as strong as it's been the last few years. So love it if you can still get the three on New Orleans plus three. Still make it a best bet. Mikey, Stephen A. Smith this morning, who I don't think does any homework, had the Buc Buccaneers as his third best team after week one. What game was he watching? But with that being said, have we underestimated the Bucs because they played a bad Dallas team and did hold them to three points, the only team in the entire NFL that did not score a touchdown this weekend? Are the Bucs that good? Look, I think the Bucs are fine. They're okay. They're, they're definitely not the top tier. Uh, you can put them in the second or third tier of teams if you want to. I think the real thing about it is, is the NFC is just so weak on, on, you know, on the whole uh, mm -hmm. that they can definitely get back to the postseason and make a deep run because the conference is so weak. The one team that they really have to look out for is this game here with the Saints. Uh, so I am with RJ here as far as where I lean. Uh, I lean towards the Saints here. I, I think that it's huge that they're getting home field here. I think it's an interesting teaser leg at two and a half uh, or three, really, but definitely at two and a half um, on their home field. Like that spot for them, but I, I'm really worried about the pressure they're going to be able to put on Tom Brady. And like RJ said, the receiving core for the Saints, uh, I'm very interested to see how they continue to work together. I obviously, we've only seen one game of it, but I think they have the potential to be very good and potentially win this division. I only want the Saints to do well so I can see more Jameis Winston post-game press conferences because the man is just entertainment with a capital E. All right, Maestro, I'm coming to you. Next game, Panthers 
at the New York Giants, who now have the new most popular head coach in all of the league, and Brian Dable. I mean, he has become a meme, a gift, all of that for a lot of reasons. So they go home. All the Giants fans are like, this is going to be our year. We're back. They're hosting the Panthers, who also had a devastating late game loss to the Cleveland Browns. But you like you like the Panthers in a teaser. Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, the Giants dressing them up as favorites, uh, that's a whole new thing. And, and you know, Brian Dayball, I love him. I love the potential of this offense with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley healthy. But asking them to cover a number, and I'm going to tease it up to eight and a half. Uh, I love the Panthers on a teaser here. You know, that offense, Baker Mayfield got going in the second half and and uh, played very well after a terrible start. I just don't think the Giants, uh, you know, are capable at this point of covering a big number, even though I love Brian Dayball and I love, you know, what he's going to build there in New York. Do you want to go ahead? Should I give out the other two parts of the teaser? No. Hold it out. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Yeah, go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, go ahead. well – and I also like the no, fact no, that hold it up, hold up, because we go through every single game. We'll do it when we get there. We'll do it when we get there. It's okay. I know you're excited. I know you're excited now, but I got to go to RJ because Maestro brings up several good points. And sometimes when you have a win like that, you score late, you go for two, it can overshadow some of the mistakes that the Giants were making in the second half. Are we overestimating how good the Giants are, RJ? Well, the interesting thing here is the Giants' offense was as good as it could be. Daniel Jones went 17 of 21 passing. Saquon had 164 yards on the ground, and they only eked out a one-point win doing that. And the Giants' defense put together a quality game plan also. They slowed Derrick Henry down. He had, I think, 84 yards on 21 carries. I mean, this seems like a spot where Henry comes in and gets that 152 touchdown type of thing. They just did not allow that to happen. So Giants played about as well as they could. They got the win, but it was only one-point win. It's not like they routed this team. So what happens when everything isn't going their way? The Carolina offense was brutal until the fourth fourth quarter the run game had issues in particular so maybe the Giants defense can continue to play good rush defense here but I do like fading a team coming off a surprise upset win in week one that's now favored in week two because I do I was a little bit high on the Giants this year I don't think they're going to run out and win you know 10-11 games so it seems like this might be a, a two steps forward last week one step back this week and the Panthers you know get get their act together and get their win here. There is no doubt there's going to be a lot of interest in this game this week because there are a lot of personalities that people want to latch on to if they can be successful. Brock in the chat said, just want to let you all know I love the new graphics and professional editions. We're trying. There's a reason for it. I keep teasing you. As soon as we can tell you what's coming, we will. But this is just the beginning. Just the beginning. All right, next game. Talk about interest. Talk about interest. Maestro, I'm coming to you. Dolphins and Ravens. Now, we don't have an official pick yet on this game. But both teams won in week one. Both teams looked good in week one, but they didn't look spectacular. The Dolphins only scored 20. Ravens only scored 24. Now, Ravens are giving three and a half the total of 44 and a half. Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, the only way I would look here is the Dolphins. I, I haven't played it at all yet, but I mean, the Ravens lost Kyle Fuller, uh, Juwan James. I mean, the injuries continue to pile up. You know, I haven't checked the status of J.K. Dobbins. Uh, they could use some more weapons. And the Dolphins, you know, they did what they had to do. They played a clean game. They left mm -hmm. a lot of plays out there on the field. Um, so, you know, I would lean towards the Dolphins. Obviously, it's going to be a tight game uh, in Baltimore. I don't see this being a blowout at all. Yeah, I don't either. Mikey, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, this one is fascinating. So I do make the Ravens 4.4 points better, just slight edge here on the three and a half. It's not enough for me to want to go play it considering everything that Maestro just talked about there. Uh, where I'm most interested is I do think that this is a game that the market could move the total down. Uh, pretty key numbers in NFL totals, 41 and 44. If for some reason we get this at 44 or 43 and a half, I become mm -hmm. pretty interested in the over. Uh, I think that Miami has enough players with upside to make big plays. I also think that they're shaky enough offensively still that they can turn the football over. So it's just a really high variance environment and one that I want to take advantage of. So I'm holding off on it for now. My slight lean is Ravens minus three and a half. My biggest interest would be if this drops to 44 or you can somehow get it at 43 and a half, then I become interested in the over. Okay. Very, very good. For those of you watching right now that are not Sportsline members, the best way I do it is become a Sportsline member and then go look at the NFL games. And as soon as an expert makes a pick, it just goes right in there. You can see all the different perspectives. You can see what guys are thinking. Sometimes guys are picking different teams, but you can use the capper that you like, what you hear, or you trust. That's why we have so many different voices. All right. <clears throat> Next game. Not a lot of interest in this one. Jets and the Browns. Both teams. Did not look good. However, the Browns did win late with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. They're laying six, total sitting at 40. But RJ, you like the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets this week. Yeah, the Jets offense did nothing, you know, but that might be alleviated this week. Zach Wilson, they were making some buzz that he might play last week, early in the week. Obviously, we figured that wasn't going to happen. Who knows? Maybe he's back for this one. That helps them out there. But the Jets defense actually did play pretty well. Like, against a very good Baltimore team. The defense allowed more than 23 yards on just three drives out of 12 and then before the final kneel downs. I mean, the Baltimore was not able to move the ball consistently in this game. Uh, the Jets' defense was sunk, sunk by a few big plays, which will hurt you against explosive offenses. Cleveland offense does not have an explosive offense. They do not look capable of delivering big plays, especially in the passing game with Brissett at quarterback. The Cleveland defense looked great for three quarters, then led a mediocre offense back in the game. You know, I think that could probably happen here. The key thing is Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback of the Browns, and why is he favored by six points against anybody? I don't care. If there's a professional NFL team, <laughs> Jacoby Brissett should not be laying six points. So I got it at six and a half for the site. I would still take it at six. You got to knock this number down because Brissett, you know, you just can't trust him to be winning games by touchdown. You are such a savage. You are such a savage. But you're right. You're right. Why would Jacoby Brissett be favored by six? People still think the Jets, including the sports books, are terrible. Now, this next game, also very interesting. I think there's there's a lot of interesting games this week. The Commanders, and I tell you, I've never seen their stadium going bananas like they went last week with a late game win over the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they're traveling to Detroit. Another team, Maestro, and we're coming to you first. Um, the Lions, they're down 17 in the fourth quarter. They come back. And they ruin it for everybody. We were on the Eagles minus the four, minus the six, whatever. And the Eagles don't cover. But the Lions, they've got a heart. I watch Hard Knocks. I know Dan Campbell. But close is not good enough. Which side are you on on this one? Yeah, they did the same thing in week one last year and several other times during the season where they have these uh, tremendous offensive fourth quarters. Uh, this is part of my teaser also. I'm, I also don't think the Lions should be laying points kind of like the Giants. And mm -hmm. I, I will take the Commanders up to eight and a half. You know, that was a pretty impressive win given that they were minus two in turnovers to the Jags. You know, the Jags made some terrible mistakes, dropped a touchdown, um, you know, had some some obvious gaffes. 
But uh, that throw that Carson Wentz made to Dotson, I mean, that's a big-time throw. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought the offense looked good good enough, and I just don't see this being a blowout either. So I'll take eight and a half with Washington as the second leg of a three-leg teaser. Then we'll get the third leg coming up and just look. That's a tease. That's a tease right there. Now, RJ, I think I will steal a line from somebody who just said, why would you? Why would the Detroit Lions be favored in this game when the Commanders won last week? And it does fit perfectly into a teaser leg, but make the argument that Washington is a better team. Yeah, it's interesting. This game was a pick before before the action on Sunday. We know that week two is overreaction week in the NFL all the time. People react. They pump up those 1-0 teams. They downgrade those 0-1 teams. The market mm-hmm. is treating Detroit like the 1-0 team here. They, this line moved up two and a half points because Detroit had that rally at the end. But the defense still looked terrible, and they still you know, were out of that game until being able to kind of lucky to cover on that one late. Washington pulled out the win. Wentz looked mostly good versus a bad Jacksonville defense, so there's a qualifier there. Maybe he's not as good as he looked in that game, but he gets another bad defense here. Washington allowed 6.2 yards per play in that, that game in week one. Detroit gave up 6.3 yards per play, so I'm more on the over. If it's at 49 right now. I think that's fine to take. Obviously, would have liked to get 40 and a half. I believe that was available yesterday, um, but a Washington defense isn't going to be any better this week with Chase Young still out. Detroit's going to be a popular over team all year with their improved offense and their bad defense, and this looks like a game with the commanders coming in where this, it's going to get over 50 pretty easily. So um, I would take Washington on the spread, too, even though they are the 1-0 team. Uh, because the market is treating Detroit like they're the one and O team. So it just seems like the market is perceiving Detroit as a much better team now. And I don't think, uh, you know, you can actually say that considering they lost that game. Yeah, I agree with you. A lot of great points there. Uh, Mikey, last week, the market certainly uh, thought the Colts were a better team than the Texans. And I saw a tweet and I had to read it like two or three times. I was like, wait, what? That the AFC South, no teams won on week one and two of them played each other. I had to sit there and think about it. I said, how is that possible? But then the Colts and Texans, ultimately, they tied. The Colts coming out of the blocks, not playing great, but you still like them this week against the Jags on the road. Tell me why. Yeah, I like them on the road. And, you know, to be clear, the market was right on that game last week. Uh, They were up to minus eight at some point before, and that game got moved all the way to six and a half. Uh, It's a pretty clear move uh, against the Colts. But I like them here at a key number of four. Um, Look, I I make this game closer to six and a half still on the road. I think it's a pretty strong overreaction to a really poor performance from the Colts side. I'm not impressed with the Jaguars side. Yes, they were somewhat competitive with the Commanders, but they they ultimately didn't win the game and they did things that the Jaguars have been doing for years. Uh, But I like the Colts here. I I simply think they're a better team. the performance on the field was not really representative of the upside that they have. They still have a number of excellent weapons. Still believe Matt Ryan is an upgraded quarterback from Carson Wentz. Uh, so I think they come in, make a statement here, grab a win by a touchdown in this game. I think, I think, I think you're onto something. The last time though, what was it the last game last year that the Colts, all they did was win in Jacksonville to go to the playoffs? and somehow is 13-point favorites or whatever, they lose on the field. Ugh, that won't happen this week. The Colts will wake up. Jonathan Taylor, I have him in fantasy. I'm playing fantasy for the very first time in my career, and we're 1-0. I think I'm going to retire right now. All right, next game on the docket. And, RJ, I'm coming to you because on Sunday in the AM show, we we told everybody, sometimes we're going to give out look-ahead lines. Sometimes you can bet the next week before 
the first week. Sometimes you can get better lines, and this is one of those games. Patriots laying a point and a half at Pittsburgh. Now, these are two teams, had two different weeks. Patriots looked listless, seven points in Miami. Now, the Steelers, they're up 17-3. They allowed Cincinnati to come back, tie it at 20. They block the extra point and then win in overtime on a late field goal to not only cover but win on the field. Now, at home, their dogs, the total at 40 and a half. RJ, I'm coming to you. Yeah, we put them in the teaser last week, and it was actually the same line, minus one and a half. And it was because I thought the Steelers could be competitive in that game against the Bengals. So I'm trying to get revenge after getting swept in, in a couple of pretty ugly games uh, the year before. And then the Patriots, I expected to struggle against the Dolphins much more than people you know, considered. And that's actually what happened. So this line actually didn't move, though, because unfortunately we have the injury stuff that happened with Pittsburgh, and uh, they didn't want to move this line. It, it's kind of tipped back and forth between one and one and a half. So depending on where your site is and where you're looking at it, maybe the teaser's a little bit blown up if you're only seeing minus one now. But the main reason for that teaser is we wanted to get that Buffalo number. It was seven and a half last week. Definitely wanted to tease Buffalo down because we knew that that after how they looked on Thursday, that number wasn't going to be around once the lines reset. So in this particular game, if you're looking at just the spread and you haven't teased anything, the Pittsburgh still looks like a decent teaser leg to me at plus one and a half. My lean for the spread would be New England. The calculus changes for Pittsburgh's defense when Watts not on the field. The offense didn't play particularly good for Pittsburgh, even though they were able to, to win the game there. And uh, the last time Bill Belichick started a season 0 and 2 was 2001. He won the Super Bowl that year, but you know you don't get back-to-back losses at the beginning of the year with Bill Belichick, you know, ever really. So um, if you want to tease Pittsburgh, go ahead. But I think New England's probably going to win this game by a couple points. And maybe in the NFC you can start 0 and 2 and still make it to the playoffs. Not in the AFC. Not in the AFC. My goodness. I mean, it's loaded. I, I you look at the NFC, you're like, who's going to make the Super Bowl? You look at the AFC, you're like, I got five teams. Six teams that couldn't make the Super Bowl. Maestro, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm totally leaning Pats, waiting for a better number here. I mean, they were minus three in turnovers, uh, but played the Dolphins pretty even in terms of yardage, yards per play. I know their offense didn't look good, um, but but the Steelers were plus five in turnovers. They only had 13 first downs. I mean, it's a miracle that they won the game, and now they lose their best defensive player, T.J. Watt, and that defense was on the field for 94 plays. That's a lot, a lot of plays. Uh, So I think this is a great spot for for the Patriots uh, to get a win. I I still think the teaser might be good, though, because uh, it's obviously not an explosive offense. Kendrick Bourne, one of their most exciting players, did not play the whole game. Belichick finally puts him in. I think something happened at practice where he wasn't, or that fight that he had with the Panthers. He puts him in, catches a 41-yard pass, and then they take him out. There's been kind of a rallying cry by the players saying, we need this guy on the field. So I think think you see a lot more of Kendrick Bourne, and that will help the receiving core with, you know, Parker and Myers as well. So petty. You want to to make a point? The first game of the year because somebody got in a fight? Stop it, Bill. Just stop it. All right, those are the early games. The really cool thing about this week's NFL slate is that they're spread out. We got eight games at 1 o'clock, and then at 4 o'clock we got five. Then we have Sunday night, and then this week two Monday night football games. So we'll get to the 4 o'clock slate coming up. Before we do that, we need to hear from one of our incredible partners here at CBS and Paramount+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we are back. See how that happens? Oh, now let's get into the 4 o'clock games because this is a, a better's dream. Eight early games. Five at four, one at Sunday night, and then two on Monday. Now, the first four o'clock game. Interesting. The Seahawks shocking the world last night. Of course, the Broncos helped them. They're going on the road to another team who also shocked the world in a reverse way. 49ers up 10-0 in Chicago. Can't score again. They lose by nine. The total of 42.5. But somehow, and Maestro, I'm coming to you first. Somehow, the San Francisco 49ers after last night are 10-point favorites over Seattle. How? Well, I mean, people expect this to be a letdown spot for the Seahawks. I mean, that's a like a you know a Super Bowl win for them at home, and now they travel, and the 49ers are desperate after that start. Should be good weather conditions, so Trey Lance should do a lot better. We saw the Broncos running all over the Seahawks, but I'm going to look at the Seahawks here because no Elijah Mitchell is a big loss for the Niners, and Geno Smith, nine straight covers going back to his days at the Jets. With the Seahawks, this guy has started four games, has not thrown a pick. I have to check if he's lost a fumble. I don't think he's had a fumble either. So, I mean, 17 of 20 or whatever he was, the accuracy, and uh, he's a different player, and he's got weapons. You know, he's got Penny, he's got DK Metcalf, he's got Lockett, he's got tight ends. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to win, but I wouldn't lay 10 points with San Fran. I wouldn't either. And Mikey, I know there are rules to teasers and parlays and all that, but if you put them into a teaser and you're getting 16 points, would that be a good choice? Look, I don't mind it, but honestly, what if you're wanting to put them into a teaser, you know, many sports books will let you play alternate lines anyway. If you're willing to get them at 16, just add an alternate line parlay to it and play them at 17 and a half. If you're really wanting to do that, I'd feel a lot better at 17 and a half than 16. But I, that said, yeah, I'm not laying 10 with the 49ers at this point. I, I do think this is a massive overreaction spot on both sides, probably the biggest of week one. Um, but look, I, I expect a little bit of a letdown. I think the most concerning thing, if you want to go back the Seahawks in this spot is they didn't score in the second half. And, you know, that's troubling yeah. for the, they, there was three yeah, points in yeah. that game last night in the second half. They scored zero of them and still won the football game. They did very little. Um, so I'm a little worried about that point. I really want no part of this game at this point, other than to say that if you really think you need to put them in a teaser at 16, I would most likely be grabbing the alternate line all the way up to 17 and a half. Uh, that is a number that I would feel good about. See, that's just part of the education to get here on this show because sports books are getting so creative that you can do a lot of different things, but you got to really know what you are doing. By the way, I was on the Broncos minus six and a half last night for the second half. I might have a dent in my wall from my forehead of just banging it against going, what is Hackett doing? Then, of course, the fumbles. That didn't help. All right, moving on. This next game has also proved to me, will the real Super Bowl champions 
stand up. RG, I'm coming to you. Rams laying 10 and a half. The Falcons had a huge lead on Sunday at home against the Saints, and they covered, which is something they couldn't do a year ago at home, but they lose on the field. So the total sitting at 47, talk to me. Yeah, the Rams offense looked terrible in the opener. So I was figuring this line would come down after Atlanta was competitive and we get a better value here and take the Rams at, at nine, nine and a half. Did not happen. You know, nobody, no, I don't think anybody's putting any stock into that week one game. Um, so maybe Sean McVay has body swap back into his, his own body and Jason Garrett won't be coaching the Rams anymore with some of those awful play calls. But the, the key thing here is teams that play on Thursday in week one are 16 and four against the spread in week two since 2011 for Warren Sharp. 17 and three straight up, 16 and four against the spread. These teams with that little extra, extra rest come out and are so much more prepared to come into this game. So I think the Rams can win this game by double digits. Their defense did struggle to stop the Buffalo pass offense. This is not the Buffalo pass offense coming in with Atlanta here and, and their limited options. So I do would lean to the Rams to cover. I know it's a big number. It's not something I'm looking to tease either because it's not a great number for teasing. Um, but if if you do want to play it, my lean would be to the Rams. Maestro, do you know where Jason Garrett is working this season? Uh, where is that? NBC, NBC. That's where Jason Garrett is working. He's on Sunday Night Football. He's on the coverage of Sunday Night Football. Interesting. He, he was he was on location for that Thursday game. I thought there was like some ancient Aztec relic that they found, <laughs> and they both touched at the same time, wishing they could be each other, and they body swapped, and and all of a sudden Jason Garrett's coaching the Rams now. But uh, you know, who knows? You, you are so damn funny. You are so damn funny. But. Very, very true as well. All right, moving on. We got another, again, five 4 o'clock games, two at 4.05, three at 4.25. This is the first 4.25 game. And I love week two for a lot of reasons, Mikey. But I think the biggest one is to see which version of the team is the real version. Is it week one when they stink or play really well or week two when they stink or play really well? This is one of those games that both teams need to stand up and be accounted for. The Cardinals... Are you kidding me? Kyler Murray looked horrendous last week and getting crushed by the Chiefs. The Raiders, they didn't look very good either. They lose by five, still had a chance to win uh, later into that game. But they're laying six at home. The total currently sitting at 51 and a half. Mikey, which side in this game do you like? Uh, it's definitely the Arizona side here at plus six. I think it's a very friendly number. I really don't expect it to stick around and close at six. Uh, I wouldn't even be shocked if this goes all the way to four. Um, I, I make it three and I think I'm being pretty generous here with the home field. If you want to say the home field's worth three points in this one, uh, I have these teams essentially even like RJ said earlier, the Cardinals did not look prepared to play Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if they thought they weren't playing him until next week and they had their weeks wrong, whatever they did. Uh, but I think that their plan will work a little bit more against Vegas here in this spot, but I just think it's a massive overreaction here. Again, I make it three being super generous. Um, six is a very, very friendly number as it gets you through two of the three most key numbers in the NFL. So if you want to play it, I would grab it now, uh, but I expect a much better effort on the Cardinals side here in this game. They better. They better, RJ, because if they don't, they just spent $230 million on a dude who plays video games and can't read a defense. Are you bullish on Arizona at all? 
I do like Arizona this week, but I liked them last week. So take that with a grain of salt because I thought there was value in that number once it bumped up. This look ahead was Vegas minus three. But since the Arizona D looked horrendous, just like Kyler Murray did, the number has shot up at four and a half when it reopened, went up to five and a half. Now it's at six. Nobody's buying this Arizona team. They played one of the NFL's best offenses and one of the best teams overall. This is going to be an easier matchup for them. I knocked Ari- I don't try to overreact too much in my power ratings to week one. I knocked them down two points. I had them up as a plus one team. I moved them down to a minus one team. So they're slightly below average considering their track record. I think that's more than fair just to call them a below average team. I knocked Vegas up a half a point, even though they lost because offense did some good things. Defense held down uh, the Chargers at the end of the game, though you can credit Joe Lombardi for some of that holding down. So I think Vegas might be a little better team than we thought. That only gets the line to four for me. So I think even with those pretty aggressive movements, this line should only be four. Six is too much of an overreaction. Uh, you know, It might bite me again like it did when I said play against the Chiefs because it's value, but six is value here with the, with the Cardinals. Hey, we got to play the right value, and we say it all the time. The right plays don't always hit. They don't. But sometimes trolls like Mike in the chat – they go, oh, no, no, no. But then they still come back and watch the show for a second week. But our fans have handled it. Thank you all very much. You guys handle the chat for me. I don't even need to do it. Mike, don't come watch us if you don't want to watch. All right? But don't type that in the chat. Or I will block you like that. All right. Now, moving on. <clears throat> Bengals and the Cowboys. And Maestro, I've been waiting for the third leg of your teaser because this is, again, it is proved to me the Cowboys lose their 40 some million dollar a year quarterback who led who leads a franchise that has had all of one playoff win in what 25 years the Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year five turnovers in week one losing even though they could have won at the end of the game they're laying seven and a half maestro on the road talk to me yeah, this is going to be my third leg. I'm going to take the Bengals down to one and a half at three-way teaser. Uh, used to pay 180, now it pays plus 160. Um, I mean, the Bengals were minus five in turnovers, still should have won the game, had a freak thing where they lost their snapper. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to throw four picks again. I, I hope T. Higgins can play. He's in the concussion protocol. But it's about the Cowboys, how they looked with Dak Prescott, not without I don't think it's a huge downgrade to Cooper Rush. He's competent. He showed that in Minnesota last season. Uh, they did lose another offensive lineman uh, during the game, which when their offensive line is already in shambles. And I was high on the Bengals going into this season. I'm going to believe that they're not going to start 0-2 uh, and just basically have to win the game at minus one and a half. Daniel in the chat says, if you ever talk down to our Jewish community center baller, you will be sent into the unknown. How is the JCC league going thus far? Well, coach, I'm actually on the IL, but my team got a big playoff win last night. And uh, tomorrow, I believe it's uh, tomorrow night. We got the semis. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I've got to, I got to have a pick from the game. We did it last year. I think we hit, we've got to do that again. Even though you're on the injuries, you're going to be there to root your team on. Come on. We need one from the court. I'll either be there or I'll be on CBS Sports HQ uh, getting ready for uh, Chargers Chiefs. So, <laughs> On Wednesday night? Okay. Thursday cool. night. Sorry, it's Thursday night. Okay, Thursday night. All right, next game, the last 425 Eastern game on uh, Sunday are two teams that I think looked differently. The Texans shocked everybody, tying the Colts. And people talked about their quarterback play being better than what we expected. I think we saw that. Now, the Broncos... I don't know what happened. And, Mikey, I'm going to come to you. They're laying 10. And I get the 10 from just what we thought about these two teams prior to week one. 
but Denver looked like they didn't know what they're doing. They didn't, they look like they didn't know the offense. They look like they got down to the end of the play clock and didn't know which way they were going. And so now you got to come back six days later at home and you've got to prove to your home fans that you're the team that they talked about in the offseason. Let's ride. Let's ride and get the job done in the AFC West. They didn't look like a playoff team last night. Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, they didn't look like a playoff team last night for sure. Um, but I will say they left a ton of, point, of points on the football field last night. They fumbled going into the end zone twice. Um, oh. Had some really, really poor coaching decisions, some things that went against them. Um, so this result last night could have looked very, very different. Uh, all of a sudden, they score once going in the end zone there. Geno Smith potentially commits a turnover as, as there's a little more pressure in the game. So I'm not terribly worried about them. Look, I think that they're in trouble in terms of potentially winning the division. I think it's just we know how tough that division is. Uh, but in this particular spot, I think that it's a pretty good opportunity for them to bounce back. Uh, pretty decent home field advantage here for them. I, I like Russ in the first home game there. So while this number is big, if you ask me to play it, I would lay the 10 with Denver, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, I'd make this spread closer to 11 and a half. So I, I would lean towards Denver in this one. Going to be looking at it pretty heavily on my end in terms of a live in-game play. Um, but I, I do like Denver here to bounce back in a big way because they left a ton of points on the football field. And that is something that we talk about a lot here on the early edge. If you are new to the brand, live betting is really uh, what we love to do. And it's Mikey's expertise. So we always like to throw in uh, where there's a live betting opportunity. And when you have a big spread, sometimes when the underdog scores, you can quickly bring that number right down. So uh, that's one of the reasons. But there's a lot of reasons. But just listen to my guys and they'll walk you through the minefield that is live betting in the NFL. Maestro, I'm going to come to you. Would you lay the 10? Oh you no! Oh no! Sorry, go All ahead. Right. Yeah, no, I would. I think the Texans, uh, you know, were completely outplayed in that game, despite the fact that they, you know, probably should have won it. And the Broncos uh, will fix things in the red zone. Uh, and I think, the, and their defense played amazing in the second half. The Denver defense. So uh, I think they will. That was the rust game for them. I think they'll they'll you know pound them pretty good. Uh, let me read one more time because this will be the last time he gets in here. Uh, you can block me. <laughs> that shows your guys' professionalism. If one tell you guys or guys truth, you can't even write English. You guys can't take criticism. That confirms what I said, clown. I'm leaving. Mike, bye. Bye. We don't need people like you. That's it. If anybody else wants to be like him, go. We are positive here at the early edge. You don't want to play with us? Don't play with us. That's all there is to it. All right, next game. Bears, Packers. This is another double-digit spread. For a team, RJ, that couldn't do anything on Sunday. They couldn't catch a ball in the first play of the game. That would have been a touchdown. The Vikings controlled the entire game, but yet the Packers are laying 10 to a Bears team that scored 19 straight to beat the 49ers, who were some people's Super Bowl pick prior to the season. Which side are you on here? Yeah, the Green Bay did that last year, too. They looked completely awful in week one. They
They came out as double-digit favorites in week two, and they covered. They covered pretty easily. They won by 18 points, I think. Uh, maybe Green Bay has real issues this year with Devontae Adams gone, and it's different from last year. I think you need more than one game to judge that. Hopefully they'll be healthier this week after both offensive tackles were questionable and didn't play. Because they were listed as questionable, I have hopes that they will both be able to play this week. We'll see about Alan Lazard. That would give the passing game a little bit of a boost after it seemed like Aaron Rodgers did not know where to throw the ball in that game. Green Bay still managed 5.5 yards per play against a pretty solid Minnesota defense. They just couldn't convert that into points or slow down Minnesota's offense. The latter will not be an issue this week. They will slow down the Chicago offense. Chicago offense slows down itself. There's no reason to believe in it, despite them winning that game in the monsoon, you know, in very extreme conditions. If Green Bay is an average team, this line might be light, I think. I have Chicago seven and a half points below average. Green Bay gets three and a half for home field advantage, the best home field advantage in the league. That would make the line 11. Then you take off a half a point because once you get pretty too high, you know, the fourth quarter scoring gets a little weird. So um, I would make it 10 and a half if Green Bay is an average team. If they're a good team and they're still a good team, this line should be 14, maybe even a little more. So I love Green Bay as a best bet at minus 10. I would not put it in right now. It seems like some nine and a halfs are available and mm. might be available a little bit later in the week. So hopefully the narrative on is Green Bay is in trouble. This line drops down to nine and a half at some point and you can bang Green Bay as nine and a half because this line is way too low. If you, if you cap this line in week 13, week 14, it would definitely be 14 points. Yeah, this is definitely a game we're going to keep our eye on for our noon Eastern show on Sunday. See where the number is there and if we can bet it on Sunday because certainly as our RJ said we do not want to bet it on Tuesday. All right, we've got two Monday night games left to get to. A reminder, we're here every single primetime NFL day with a live show right before the game. We'll be back Thursday at 7.30 Eastern time, counting down to the Chargers and the Chiefs, and we will have a lot to talk about for that game. So the first Sun, uh, Monday night game, it's a little weird. They're staggering the start times, 7.15 for one, 8.30 for the other. Weird, but they have their reasons. Titans and the Bills. RJ, I'm coming to you. And I know the Bills number isn't available, but the Bills are a live everything when they're on the field. They looked amazing against the Rams, blowing them out. They're laying 10, another double-digit spread here over the Titans, who blew it, as we've talked about, against the Giants. Total 49 and a half. Talk to me. Yeah, the look-ahead line of 7.5 never made sense unless you thought Tennessee was a pretty good team. And so that's why we wanted to get in on that teaser with them and, and the Steelers. Um, so hopefully you were able to get some type of teaser on the Bills because obviously 7.5s are gone now. This line is more than fair. I just don't know how Tennessee's offense handles what looks to be one of the better best defenses in the league for Buffalo with that front. And then you throw on top one of the best offenses in the league with Josh Allen leading the, the charge. They're going to beat some, even some pretty good teams, you know, by double digits. And I don't know that Tennessee is that good. So if they get behind in this game, they can't feature Henry in the second half. It's going to be hard for Ryan Tannehill to backdoor cover here when the, the defensive front of Buffalo is all up in his grill the whole game. So um, I think Buffalo is still going to cover the 10. A uh, little bit of trouble laying it when since it's this high, but I don't think it's going down at any point because there's no reason to, to fade the Bills. Mikey, the Bills are one team, I think, along with the Chiefs that when you look at how they played in week one, they looked nearly unstoppable. And the only time they did stop themselves is when he threw an interception. And Josh Allen looked like the preseason MVP favorite. Do you like this number for the Bills in their home opener? I do. Uh, and there's a nine and a half out there. You do. It's a little it's like minus 115, a uh, lot, lot better than minus 120 still on it. Um, but yeah, it's very similar to the Broncos game. Not necessarily in the sense that it's an overreaction line like it is in the Broncos, but to me, it's an 11 and a half point spread is where I make the spread on this one. Yes, you're always concerned about the backdoor cover. However, I'm not really with this Titans offense in the way that they want to play. 
Uh, so I like the Bills here. Um, I, I'm not going to lay it yet at this point. I might even play them in the first half, which sounds a little crazy, but I, I do think they come out firing at home. I think they are pretty clearly the best team in the NFL. And I will say that with a Kansas City hat on my head. I love the <laughs> Chiefs. I think they're a great team. Patrick Mahomes, fantastic. I think the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the league, and I'm not sure that it's particularly close. Uh, I make them about one and a half points better than any other team in the league right now, potentially an overreaction on my part, uh, but I, I think the Bills absolutely roll here. They're a complete team. They may be the most complete team in the, in the NFL. I agree with you. There is nothing they can't do, and they can play defense. They can score 40 and they play defense. Uh, I want your take on this too, Maestro, even though you don't have a play on it, because if the Bills are, and you look at any expert today, and the Bills are right there at number one, do you think this is a team that as the weeks go by, you're going to start seeing a 10, minus 11, minus 12, like we saw a couple of teams last year? Yeah, they're, they're going to be inflated for good reason. They're the best team in the NFL. They had the most impressive performance in week one. To me, that was more impressive than what the Chiefs did to the Cardinals because of the opponent that they faced. And, you know, the Titans, here's the thing, though. Teams that win that blowout in week one are terrible against the spread in week two. Mike Vrabel is amazing covering as a dog. This is the position you want to back the Titans. You don't want to back them as favorites. I know they look bad. I know they lost at home to the Giants. Uh, right now, if you're asking me, I'd probably be forced to take double digits, but I still want to dive in dive in more on this game. Yeah, and we certainly will do that. And we'll be live before this game on Monday night. The other Monday night game, finally, or as my good buddy The Rock used to say, finally, we're going to have two 1-0 teams. We've got the Vikings, who looked every bit the part of the best team in the NFC, which is a weak NFC. They blew out the Green Bay Packers. Justin Jefferson, nine catches, a buck 84, and two scores. Then on the other side, you had the Eagles. They went down early in Detroit, come back 31-14. Game's over. Not so fast. We always look at it from a betting perspective. They did not cover. Started at four, went to six. They win by three. So, Mikey, let me come to you, and I want three takes from all three of you. This number is at minus two. The total sitting at 50 and a half. Start us off. Yeah, this game's going to be fun to watch. Uh, look, so I make the Eagles minus 2.8, not quite strong enough to make them minus three at home. The difference is essentially that they're playing at home. That, that's essentially what the difference is here. Uh, what stands out the most is a total at 50 and a half and not 51. Uh, considering the number of yards and points this Eagles team allowed to the Detroit Lions. Yes, the Lions have been efficient at times on offense, uh, but the Vikings, we know about their big play upside and ability here. I lean towards the over as long as you can get it before we hit 51. Uh, again, a very key number in the NFL uh, on these totals. So as far as the spread, I'm not going to touch the spread. This game will be one that I will be live betting potentially. Uh, whichever team scores first, I will most likely be grabbing the other team on the money line. Uh, I expect a back and forth game in this one. And I think there's a pretty strong chance that I have plus 150 or better on both sides. And I'm locked in sweat free for the rest of the game. So uh, lean towards the over, but that's all I'm planning to do on this one personally. I love when you say sweat free. That's that's the world we all want to live in is sweat free. Now, in Philadelphia, Maestro, we cannot discount the atmosphere that we're going to see on Monday. They got a team they're excited about. They won in week one. They've got a quarterback that they believe in now, and they've got a stud wide receiver that cashed at least one ticket for us, maybe a couple in A.J. Brown. 
So how do you handicap the Eagles at home in the excitement surrounding them? Yeah, the offense looked great, but the defense looked terrible. It really, uh, you know, gave up, I think it was almost 400 yards. And now you're playing a Vikings team that I don't think we are appreciating yet what they did because I think the Packers are going to have a top three, top five defense. And the way that they came out and played against that defense, uh, now they're going up against a much worse defense. So I like Mikey's look towards the over. Uh, there's so many playmakers, so many explosion players on the field. Uh, but the money came in on the Vikings. I mean, this opened, I believe it opened two and a half. Um, and the money has come in on the Vikings so far. RJ, what is your take? Yeah, it was three on the look ahead. It reopened to two and a half. Um, it actually got down to one and a half in a lot of places. We're seeing two now. I think it might go down a little bit. If it gets to one, I might think about the Eagles. Um, I do appreciate how good Minnesota is. Philly should have covered last week. It was just an ugly second half for the defense. They'll need to fix the run issues on that defense for this game. But the talent is there up front, and I think that talent wins out eventually. Uh, Minnesota riding high after embarrassing the Packers, and that's pushed the line down. Um, so this might be a little bit more of a letdown spot. Now they got to go on the road. Um, we know Kirk Cousins does not fare well in big games, as Pete Prisco always loves to say on the Pick 6 podcast. And you don't get much more big than being the, the primetime spot in Week 2, you know, coming off a, a, a big win over the Packers. So I have the Philly home field advantage at 1.5 points. So if you think these teams are even, the line makes sense. I still think Philly's a little bit better than Minnesota, so I'm leaning that way. I think that a lot of these lines are going to make some for some very entertaining shows. Maestro, talk to me. The Lions average six and a half yards per carry. So, and now they got now the Eagles have to try to stop Dalvin Cook. And then you know what's going to happen. They try to stop him. Then what happens over the top? You got to pick your poison. You got to pick your poison. We will dissect this game on Monday night at 7:30 Eastern time. No, no, we'll be on earlier that night because there's a 7.15 game on Monday. So we'll be on at 6.30 Eastern time to break down not one, but two big games. And guess what, boys? We could live sweat the first touchdown of the game as we talk about the second game. I think that'd be fun. I think that'd be fun. That's what we'll do. That's what we will do. But again, our NFL shows Thursday at 7.30 Eastern time, counting down to the Chargers and the Chiefs. We also have a brand new prop shop show with Alex. It's all props all the time. It's going to be a Wednesday or Thursday. I will tweet out the time of that. That is on Twitter Spaces. We're going to start using Twitter Spaces for that. And then Sunday, three big shows, 10 a.m., noon, and 7.30, and then Monday night uh, at 6.30 this coming week. We got covered top to bottom, but for now... That is 16 games in less than an hour. That's what we do, and there's only one thing left to do, and I believe you all know what that is, and that is take a look at the recap screen one time. See, we don't do that on this show. See how I threw you off there. So here's what we're doing. <clears throat> Larry's three-team teaser. Bengals, seven and a half. Commanders, plus two and a half. Panthers, plus two and a half. RJ, Jets, Packers, M-squared, Colts, and the Cardinals. You see the others. Quickly, gentlemen, I would love for you to go through in just 20 or 30 seconds and recap your picks and why. Mikey, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, Kansas City Chiefs looked phenomenal. Short week for the Chargers. Keenan Allen most likely out here. Just tough spot for them. Look for Chiefs to roll on that one. Colts, pretty big overreaction here. Uh, yes, they did end up not winning the game. They definitely should have still. Look for a much sharper performance there. And then the Cardinals, massive overreaction on this one. I make the line three, maybe four. If you get really aggressive with it, take the six points. RJ, talk to me. 
Saints plus three. In terms of overall team ratings, that's a fair line. New Orleans dominates this matchup in this particular team. Tom Brady does not like playing the Saints defense. Saints plus three, get it while you can. Jets plus six. Jacoby Brissett should not be laying six points to anybody, any NFL team. Cleveland's offense unlikely to cover big numbers this year. Love fading them when they are a big favorite. Green Bay minus 10. Hopefully they'll be healthier this week after both tackles didn't play. This line, I think, should be north of 14. And if it was in eight weeks, nine weeks, it would be Green Bay minus 14. So we're getting great value here. And Maestro, I need you to do it in 30 seconds. All right, I'm going to tease the Bengals, who were minus five in turnovers, to just basically win the game against Cooper Rush and the Cowboys. And then the Commanders and the Panthers, it's the same logic for both teasers, is that the Lions and Giants should not be laying so many points. And those games are going to be close. I don't see them covering big spreads. Tease them all together pays 160. I love that. I love the plus number. Our recap of our week. Two NFL preview best bets brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook and Casino. Okay, <clears throat> now, now we can do our proper finish. There's only one thing left to do, and I believe you all know what that is. You've got your marching orders. Also brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook and Casino. Let's take all of these NFL tickets straight to the pay window. For my entire crew, love them all. Maestro, M Squared, the Stoic One, RJ White. And now the jeweler on the ones and the twos. Tell all your friends we're here every single day for every single sport. That's all we know at the early edge. Good luck.